everyone. Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today, we are talking about battling chronic disease through a holistic lifestyle. And with us to help us do that is Ravi Sahai, a book author and experience entrepreneur and, and everything as far as chronic disease is concerned. So welcome to the podcast, Ravi. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be informed as new episodes become available. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our episodes, please rate and review the podcast on your favorite platform. As always, check out our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com for some resources as you begin your health journey. Thank you, Michelle. I'm glad to be here with you. Oh, fantastic. Will you take a moment to introduce yourself and why why the chronic disease, why the, the books that you've written on, on that topic and others? Uh, that's a profound question. And uh, I have been asking that question myself at the age of 74, because I came to this country uh, as an immigrant, young immigrant in 1971, uh, trained as an electrical engineer. Um, and then uh, I got two master's degrees, one in computer science and another in uh, business management. So if you had asked me, you know, 30 years ago, I'm going to write a book on health. I said, are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> so that has been a turn of event in my life. Uh, and that is basically because I got sick. Uh, and I am glad to say that at this age of 74, I'm healthy, I'm grateful, uh, and I wanted to share this because I'm not the only one. One out of two Americans uh, suffer from chronic diseases. Uh, people in my family uh, have suffered from chronic diseases like fibromyalgia and Crohn's disease. And I had a heart condition. I had heart attack in 2003 congestive heart failure in 2007, a pacemaker was put in 2012. But fortunately, six years ago, the pacemaker was disabled. My heart is healthy. And uh, I wrote two books. One, when I basically found that conventional medicine doesn't seem to have answer for me. So I started to look into holistic medicine and lifestyle changes. But it took, uh, it, it took some time. It, uh, the diseases, chronic diseases come over time because we are not uh, aware of what we eat and how we move our body and what we think. And uh, that is the lesson for me. So that is what I wanted to share. It's basically just the life taught me all this. Mm, I love that. So when you had started having those health issues, were you still on the engineering and business track or did you to do a complete shift over to health? <laughs> no, not in, uh, well, in terms of vocation and career, um, I worked for Fortune 50 companies. And then after my heart attack, I became consultant and I was teaching uh, economics and later I taught math. So I went on to a lower gear, um, frankly. And uh, at this stage, I basically work in a religious retreat. I volunteer in schools. Um, 
I'm thinking of writing a play. So, of course, you know, uh, if you are asking about my vocation, after my heart attack in 2003, I had to put myself into a lower gear and change my lifestyle. And the stress was a major factor in my my uh, chronic conditions. Mm, okay. Now, is that often the case, or what exactly is that relationship between stress and chronic disease, or perhaps other factors as well? Well, that's uh, again, if you look at uh, conventional medicine, when I got my heart attack, they were not talking about the stress. They said, What is your cholesterol level? How is your hypertension? Do you smoke? And do you have genetics uh, in your family? That was the question being asked in 2003 as heart condition, um, heart, heart disease uh, kind of prompters. But the stress has come into picture even in conventional medicine, especially in last, I would say, five to seven years. And interestingly, the holistic medicine, including integrative medicine that uh, I went to a cardiologist, they were moving towards that. In fact, body-mind integration, uh, if you want to give credit in Western medicine, I would say Deepak Chopra had a lot to do with it. But he got that from Ayurveda because Ayurveda knew that body and mind is connected. So to answer this question, I think that as the science of microbiome is unveiling, and they have found gut-brain axis, which says that the gut talks to the brain more than brain talks to the gut. And the food that we eat changes our mood. Uh, so, so this whole thing about how stress creates inflammation, which is now being recognized. So chronic stress is cause of inflammation. And whether you're talking about inflammation of the artery of the heart or the, you know, the arthritis or diabetes, anything with itis uh, uh, or a skin eruption like dermatitis, all of them can be connected to chronic stress and inflammation is a result. Mm. Okay. Now, thinking back to when you were first having um, heart issues and so forth, did you, what was your, I guess, what was your mindset in terms of health and wellness? Did you feel like you were extremely stressed? You had that chronic stress or did it take you by surprise? Well, you see, chronic stress is like, uh, you know, like a, you have heard, heard this proverbial thing like frog in a water and the water is being boiled and the still frog doesn't know that I have to jump out of it. So the chronic stress is like that. We, we are not aware that we are swimming in that water that is heating up. Uh, I would say that was the case with me too. So, uh, but what was bothering me a lot that midlife I started to have these problems which were not yet heart disease, hypertension. So I go to my primary care and they give me a drug to control it. And basically I have to take it for life. Then I had sinusitis, which again, they said you have to take antihistamine. 
and that is for life. Uh, then I had eczema. And again, they said, here is some ointment, you know, scortisone or whatsoever. And you have to take it symptomatically and manage it for life. So in other words, all these inflammation, there were no cure to, so to say. So that bothered me a lot. And uh, being a researcher by nature, I went to internet and thanks to search engine at that time, it was not Google, it was Alta Vista. Uh, this is, I'm talking mid nineties. And I came to this, uh, this thing about Candida, Candida overgrowth, which had a, quite a stream of thinking at that time. And I started to communicate with my sister who is in India, my elder sister and my brother who is a physician. And they said that that sounds more like Ayurveda because Candida overgrowth talked about something similar what Ayurveda talks about imbalance. And both said that gut health is the most important thing. 90% of the diseases emanate from the gut. So I, after my heart attack, I got an integrative cardiologist. Mm. And I was fortunate and that was the best decision I made. Of course, I had to do the work. I had to change my lifestyle. But I had a coach who was there and that is very, very valuable. And somebody who is very reputed. Mm. So then the process started. I'm talking about 2000. While I was getting aware in mid-90s, then I had heart attacks. So I got this integrative cardiologist. I got to read more about it, including got into Dean Ornish's program of uh, all heart healthy and started to read more about both Candida as well as Ayurveda. And then in 2007, something magical happened for all of us. And that is a paradigm shifting discovery. That's microbiome. Microbiome is the most important discovery since penicillin, and everybody should be aware of it. And it's just the opposite of penicillin. So what microbiome says is this, we have trillions of these bacteria, fungi, etc., viruses, and they actually keep us healthy. If they are in balance, then we don't have inflammation. And how do we keep in balance? It is our responsibility. They are, they are our pets, so to say. We are the vessel and they, they work for us. It's fascinating. Every dining table, uh, we don't have those dining table conversation, but wherever we can have this conversation, we need to have conversation about microbiome. And then microbiome and candida and Ayurveda, they all connect very well. Okay, so you started at that time, you started investigating microbiome and the importance and, and so forth. And now how did you feel, you mentioned you turned to integrative medicine versus conventional medicine. What was the, the big difference in, in terms of how they addressed your health or, and you know, moving forward in, as a uh, kind of a roadmap, so to speak, for, for your health in the future? Yes, so my cardiologist, one of the reasons I went to her is she had recognized that stress is a major cause of heart disease. So 
her name is Armenia Gornary, and uh, the first book she wrote is The Heart Speaks. And that basically book said that the patient, you have to listen to the patient, and the stress is a major factor. And she asked me to get in touch with a therapist after my consultation with her. And uh, being an engineer, being a man, I said, no, no, I don't need a therapist, right? Because I can fix everything myself. But at that point, of course, I listened to her. And that was another very good thing for me to look at my belief system, look at who, what is causing a stress. And so the help came from all different directions. And that is why I will call it, it is very holistic. To specifically answer a question, I started to look at my lifestyle. You know, my sleep was very poor because I had sinusitis and inflammation of nose, breathing problems, snoring, all that kind of thing. Uh, so I so I took the Ayurvedic help of doing the cleansing, which later turns out is very, very important because it's oral microbiome uh, that we cleanse when we do nasal irrigation, when we do uh, nasya. Later, I did oil pulling. I started to do oil pulling. Of course, I was doing um, brushing and tongue cleaning, and I changed my toothpaste, etc. So, so the oral microbiome is one thing. And then I also worked on the gut microbiome with the help of a Ayurvedic, uh, you know, physician. Uh, and regularity of exercise, like I'm not a gym person, but I would have started to skip rope. I started to walk. I started to do meditation and uh, uh, started to say that uh, connectedness is very, very important. In other words, if I'm not connected, and coming as an immigrant and then just, you know, kind of you're in a survival mode and you want to, you know, make yourself uh, safe materially. So the connectedness part was was also missing. So I started to go to church. I developed a community there and all that thing helped. Uh, okay. All of those helped to lower your stress, which helped your heart. Well, not only it helped my heart, it helped everything. In fact, the sinusitis went away, you know, the eczema went away, uh, you know, the skin got clearer. So it, it, it helped in all directions, you know, became, I, I was living a more non-inflammatory living. In other words, mm. I, I, my thinking changed before. Uh, I realized that many times I had a tendency when I would talk an eight call an eight hundred number, I would already be angry, and no matter who server is on the other side, I am angry. And I said, "What is going on here? This person I don't know. This person is doing a job to help me." And uh, and uh, about seven years ago, I said, "I'm never going to be an be angry when I call somebody in a support system." And uh, that has uh, changed me dramatically. So, so the, the point is the mind, the attitude, that also creates a stress. Uh, so holistic living, in Ayurveda, one of the foundations of holistic living is Soch. Soch is a word, which is a Sanskrit word. And that is the foundation of health. Now you'll ask me, what does Soch mean? Soch means purity of body and mind. 
purity of body and mind. And they gave rituals to do that. As I explained to you, it's about regularity of bowel movement, then the oral microbiome cleaning, then massaging the body, which is the skin microbiome. In fact, Ayurveda had this knowledge of microbiome just because the way they stressed this purity. What, what did they say? They said the gut movement is important because 70% of the microbiome resides in the gut. 10% of the microbiome resides in the nasal uh, oral cavity. Another 10% is on the skin. So, so they gave prescription, and this, this is in my book, those 10 things that you do uh, every day, and they gave it a name, which is in Sanskrit called Deen Charya. Deen means daily. Charya means routine. So it's a daily routine. It's a daily detoxification that they prescribed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and then for my so body, the, some of these postures that we call yoga, yoga asanas, stretching. And then they also talked about meditation or mindfulness. So that, so this, this purity of body and mind is very, very important. And as we got into this so-called modern lifestyle, uh, this thing went by wayside, even in India, where this word Soch, Soch originated. You know, this is, this is something that uh, I realized much later. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this piece that in India, just like here, things are called restroom, right? In England, it could be loo or something like that. So, so in India, it is called sochale. Sochale means, soch means purity of body and mind. And ale means home, like Himalaya. So Himalaya is the home of ice. Similarly, sochale is the home where you purify your body and mind. We don't do that in sochale in <laughs> India. And we don't even talk about it. But that is the foundation that is very, very important. I love that. I just love that that whole connection and how you're just you have discovered that over the course of time through your through your heart issues, through your other other situations. Now you talk a lot about immunity and community as far as that whole holistic piece in battling chronic diseases. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Um, I started to teach economics, uh, as I told you, after I kind of shifted into the lower gear at University of Phoenix. And I was teaching undergrad as well as the postgrad business students. And I was teaching microeconomics and macroeconomics. When I was teaching macroeconomics, it dawned on me that healthcare, this is around 2003, is going to bankrupt this country. 2003. At that time, this is prior to Obamacare, and the healthcare cost as a percent of GDP was around 15%. Today, it is close to 20% of GDP. In other words, per man, per woman, per child, we are spending more than $11,000 per year, which is not even the GDP per capita of many, many countries. Um, and I'm so the point is the healthcare just has gone berserk. And COVID, unfortunately, 
found us the all the weakest links we have about immunity. So if you look at what COVID or any disease does is that when your immunity is low, it attacks you. And what we have found that people who are immunocompromised are the ones that got most vulnerable to this, you know, this situation. So this idea of build immunity and build community is basically about empowering ourselves at individual level so that lifestyle is the way we can cure not only disease, but in the process, we are building immunity. So that is the first thing. You empower yourself to become healthy. You build your immunity. But then you have, especially for your own mental health, as well as for the society, you have to build community. Because America and Western world and even all the developing countries, they are finding that loneliness is a big problem. Isolation is a big problem. Heart disease, in fact, even today, American Heart Association, they have questionnaire, they said, you know, how many people can you call? If, uh, you know, uh, uh, and that is about connectedness. So not only about mental health, but even heart health is connected to, to this connection, this community. So build immunity and build community is, is a timeless you know, kind of advice, but it has become critical. It has become very urgent post-COVID. Mm. And I, I am hoping that our public health, our Surgeon General, who is, who is a very, uh, very, very proactive about isolation. He has written a book about you know, the, how, we are, how uh, isolated we are. But to take both these things together, build immunity, build community, and empower every individual to do that. That will make our country healthy, will, will uh, be prosperous, and the healthcare cost will, will be dramatically reduced, I think. Mm, I love that. I just that, that whole tie-in together for, with individual as well as the community. Now, how have you, you've done a lot over, over the years with, with your own health, um, in both respects, but how do you continue to do that? What is your, do you have a, I guess, a maintenance routine, so to speak, in as far as really maintaining both of those things? Oh, absolutely. And uh, my book, uh, May You Be Healthy, if, you can, if I can say it, is basically a handbook that I wrote uh, for my grandchildren, I have four grandchildren, but it is for all grandchildren and everybody. So in there, I talk about what is the routine based on both the ancient Vedic wisdom as well as the cutting edge microbiome. Mm. So not only is this ritual of Soch, the purity of body and mind we talked about, which is called Deen Charya, the daily routine, which which I do, you know, rigorously now, and I have improved upon what little bit of it I had known from my childhood. And, and that is what I'm finding is that those Vedic principles, my mother had it and next generation, etc. we started to lose it, you see. And that can be said also for America. And I'll talk about that a little bit later about how the food experience got unplugged in America. So, so, so the, 
prebiotic and probiotics are the two things when I eat, I keep that in mind. And these two terms are very, very important because prebiotic is a new term which came after microbiome. Probiotic came after we had antibiotics. Now, unfortunately, the way the, uh, so, so to answer your question, my book has what, how to do this daily ritual of cleansing. How do you do, what kind of foods do you eat? It should be, you should be mindful of prebiotic and probiotic. Your movement in terms of some stretching, some uh, walking, you know, biking, skipping, whatsoever, you know, move your body. And then the other part is that you do some mindfulness, some meditation, and then the connectedness with the, with the community, with your hobby, etc., etc. And the last thing is to build a good healthcare team, which is very, very difficult these days. I was very fortunate and proactive that I got this integrative cardiologist and I did all this work. Uh, but you, everyone needs a coach like that and or a team like that, which is not easy. It's not there. It's very, very sad that microbiome discovery, which is such a profound discovery, but what happened is people started to sell pills. What are those pills? Probiotic pills, right? So, you know, even prime television ads are about probiotic capsules, but how easy it is to just have food, which is probiotic, which is fermented. And that got totally unplugged when we moved from farm to suburbia. So the obesity crisis in America is about basically uh, food uh, being unplugged. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I just that whole disconnect. And so your book and obviously your experiences focus on reconnecting us with that food and with those experiences. Uh, absolutely. So let me uh, take you now to the uh, 1950s. Uh, even though I came here later, I was born in 1948. Uh, so we have World War II and people are coming back and we have these baby boomers coming out. Families are being formed. People are moving into suburbia. So what is happening is if you look at suburbia, it has disconnected from the farm. So the food that we are eating in the farm had fermented food. People knew how to do cottage cheese. They knew how to make uh, yogurt uh, and, you know, other ethnic community they brought brought this sauerkraut from Germany later you know you know kimchi etc etc so that every culture had fermented food the point is that was a slow food so we come to suburbia we are affluent then what we do we somebody discovers how to make McDonald's uh, hamburgers and how to franchise it so this is a great uh, business experiment you know America did on franchising. So what, what, is, what was required? The food should taste the same in Maine as well as, as well as Hawaii, which is, God knows, you know, 7,000 miles away. And uh, the business acumen said, oh, yes, we should put the headquarters in Chicago and we have these highways and we'll, food will go this way and it will always taste the same. Unfortunately, we took all the nutrients out, all these live things, which we call this fermented food, live food, and America became basically probiotic uh, 
education. Uh, and uh, people didn't know how to make yogurt. So, okay, fine, we started to buy yogurt. But look at yogurt. You know, first it is processed so many ways. We, you know, we put a lot of sugar, etc. But making a fresh yogurt is very different than putting something in fridge and shipping it, etc. Because remember, we are talking about those live germs, which is probiotic. That should be fresh. That shouldn't be put into fridge if we can help it. And what I'm trying to say that I have in my book, I make my own kefir. Kefir again is a sour milk in Ayurveda. But but it is a very, very powerful probiotic. And just like we had sourdough starter clubs in, uh, in our gr grandparents' time, I would like us to have a keeper club so that we can transfer these starters or for kombucha club where you have scobies that you, you know, so that people are making their own fermented food. Mm. And they are eating, they are getting it from the food, not from a capsule. And those capsules are expensive on a per day basis. Absolutely. Now, uh, you talked about being being the frog in the, the water as it's boiling. You didn't really realize the problems, the health problems that were developing. How can people be more proactive? For, right. In other words, to to not be that frog, or is there a way to not be the frog and and have have suddenly have these health problems that have have taking taking you uh, aback? Uh, very very important question, Michelle. And as I am a grandparent, I am looking at it more about how do we become resilient. Because life will throw challenges at us. That's, that's the nature of life. Uh, how do we raise resilient kids? Now as a grandfather, I'm talking about. So this, this whole thing has to, this education is needed because we were, we were on wrong track, I believe, on this whole idea of the stress and resiliency. Why am I saying that? Because the modern, the studies have been done before, but emotional intelligence is again, was not talked about when baby boomers were growing up. The book that was at that particular point in time, you know, people like Benjamin Spock and others, you know, children should be left, you know, uh, to cry in the crib and separate room, etc. That turns out to be totally wrong because that is the time when a child learns about self-regulating, how to regulate the emotions. What are the emotions that are coming? This mind question that we are talking about, this stress question. So, so I'm going back to this point about what children need most is love. And when a child cries and a mother or a father or a nanny picks up the child and soothes this child, the child is getting the training on regulating their emotions because they know that I have safety and in that safety they learn. All right. So, so, so the, your question was, 
how as a frog in the pond, which is the water is boiling, how do I become aware? It has to start as a child. Oh, I am sad. Okay. I can regulate it. All right. But if I don't know I'm sad, I'm depressed, oh, I'm, you know, what is happening as food experience unplugged you, if we go to the fridge and we get some salty food or something to soothe ourselves. But, but that body is intelligent. It knows that it needs something. But that self-sustaining, soothing technique that is healthy is what we have to learn. So trauma is another big epidemic that we have to handle. People have adverse childhood experiences. They have kept it inside their body. How do you release it? So, so the question is, uh, is a big one. But first is the awareness. And food has an important role to play. But other part is love, which, which uh, we, we mistook. We thought, oh, you know, it, we can mold a child. We discipline the child like this. Go to crib and go to sleep. No, that, that uh, is not the answer. <laughs> yes, you have to provide a structure, but with love. Mm, okay, so regulating, understanding your own emotions, and then building that, that love and that community to kind of ideally prevent, uh, prevent chronic, chronic disease, but at least I'd be able to recognize and address it as, as things happen in your life. Well, this this whole thing is uh, we we as I told you, healthcare crisis, especially post COVID, is is raising a lot of issues. But the answer is also there, and the answer is in this wisdom that uh, people knew. Look, you know, if you look at uh, food, be thy medicine, right? That is the Hippocrates, right? Food be thy medicine, the medicine shall be thy food. And Ayurveda, what that say? When diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. Mm. When diet is correct, medicine is of no need. I love that. that so, so, so that is food. But the mind part, is, which we are talking about, is even subtler. First is to recognize that what is, are we aware of ourselves? And your question about frog and the getting it heated up, are, is, that a, is it aware of that body that is sensations? And, and the, unfortunately, because frog doesn't live in that kind of condition, you know, it's, a, it's artificial to boil the water like that. And that is what we have done. We have made our life unplugged in many ways, not just with food, but, but with mind too. I love that. That is is fantastic. I just how we're reintegrating those vital vital things. Well, Ravi, how can people get in contact with you? Well, well uh, these days, of course, you know, internet is one way, and I'm not a social media person. I'm not an Ayurvedic doctor, so that is. Uh, but I have written these two books. The first book I wrote uh, is called. My health is your wealth. And this book I wrote after my heart attack, as I was reading about candida and integrative medicine. 2006, I wrote that book. Microbiome came in 2007. But uh, this book, 
May You Be Healthy, Well-Being for Pennies a Day. This book I wrote last year, published it. And as I told you, this has this is the manual, this is the handbook, and it will basically, everything I have learned about curing diseases, living happily, you know, sharing it for my grandchildren and other grandchildren is in that book, May You Be Healthy. So people can go to website with my name, ravisahai.com, R-A-V-I-S-A-H-A-Y.com. Or they can search on Amazon, May You Be Healthy, or My Health Is Your Wealth. Uh, the other website, which is to promote this thing, building immunity and building community, which, uh, which is, you know, right now, it's not a separate website. It is still connected to the same. It's called projectwellbeing.org. Uh, so that's the contribution I want to make as you are doing it. Because health and education, and you're doing both, you're doing education about health. These are few things where economics called it positive externality. In other words, when you are healthy, I am better off. When you are educated in true terms, I am better off. Most of the things in economics have negative externality. Look at climate change. When I buy a car and I pollute the environment, everybody is worse off, right? So, so the negative externality happens a lot. The positive externalities are very few. Health and education are those. So I also commend you for doing this service, Michelle. Well, thank you, Ravi. You are doing a service through your books, through your outreach, through getting the word out about that the fact that we have power we have we can control what we what we put into our bodies how we do our our health routines thank you so much for being on the podcast today Ravi it's been amazing and really eye opening to understand what what we can do to to battle chronic disease to really get a hold of our lives holistically thank you thank you again and my prayer may we all be healthy Hey everyone, Michelle Seidling here at Food Experience Unplugged. Are you enjoying the Food Experience Unplugged podcast and are ready to ramp it up a level? Then it's time to go premium. With a premium podcast membership, in addition to all the great podcast episodes you know and love, you'll receive additional bonus content and exclusive interviews from many of our podcast guests. You'll receive a live Q&A access each month where I'll address questions pertaining to holistic health and how you can start your journey. You'll also receive weekly shorter video clips with information on tips, tricks, and strategies to get started, to build consistent habits, and to take charge of your health. Go premium today. I'll see you there. Mm -hmm.